Hey everyone, Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com and welcome to another edition of Break the Ice. Joined this time by Hershey Bears head coach Scott Allen. And Scott, uh, thanks for spending some time with us and let's uh, let's take a, a look back into the the Wayback Machine and, and the uh, the evolution of you uh, as, as a hockey coach, uh, which obviously first started as a hockey player and uh, like so many people here, uh, you were are from Massachusetts, and it's it's certainly easy to latch on to the game at a, at a really young age there. I got to spend a few years in that state uh, as a formative youth, and that's where I caught the bug. So uh, just share with us, if you will, a couple of your early hockey memories maybe and how you uh, how that propelled you into, I guess, your, your first stop was in the USHL in, in, in Waterloo, at least as far as uh, Hockey DB tells us. Well, I was fortunate enough uh, to grow up um, during the Bo- Bobby Orr yeah. era in, in Boston. Um, though I don't truly remember the two cups they won in 70 and 72, because uh, I was four and six, respectively, and I, and I have a tough enough time remembering yeah. last week now. So, um, But, you know, through those... Through the success of the Bruins and what Bob Ewer meant to the Bruins, the state of Massachusetts actually built some state rinks. So you had uh, rinks that were in different part of the states that were identical. They were built the same way, same mm-hmm. dimensions. Uh, and the interesting thing, they were all built. The ice dimensions were the same size as the old Boston Garden, which was a so small, little tight, yeah. tight. Yeah. Uh, width and depth were both smaller than uh, wow. yeah standard. <clears throat> um, as time went on, I also grew up playing all sports, um, but the passion for hockey was first and foremost, and uh, and, and especially through high school. I uh, played public high school at New Bedford High, um, then actually went to play a year of junior hockey out in Seattle prior to my year in, in Waterloo in the USHL. So I played the two years of junior. Um, then when I was 20, uh, I, I just decided um, – that uh, college wasn't going to be for me. Um, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to uh, get in the game. I knew I wanted to play for a living. I was very realistic with my expectations as a player. I knew I was not going to be good enough to play in the NHL, but I wanted to be able to get a paycheck playing hockey. Um, And I was fortunate enough to do that for 10 years. Also, when I was making that decision, People said, well, you know, what are you going to do when you're done playing? It's all good and fine, you know, but you're still going to be a young guy. And I said, I'm going to coach just like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, probably wasn't um, the smartest decision only because I, I probably was very unrealistic in regards to how difficult it is to actually earn a paycheck, uh, earn your living coaching. Um, I've been extremely fortunate. I'm going into my 26th season uh, of coaching pro hockey. Uh, so in regards to what I said I was going to do and, and what I've been able to do up to this point, again, extremely fortunate um, from the uh, ECHL through the American League and, and uh, even six years in the National Hockey League. So I, I truly feel uh, I've been blessed and, and very fortunate. Yeah, that's remarkable. That's that's It's amazing. You, you don't often come across people who are able to make that decision. And, you know, with a lot of guys, it seems like, it, you know, they're in their 30s or, or whatever, and, and and maybe it's a coach who comes to them and says, hey, have you ever thought about coaching? Um, but, yeah, I want to I wanna 
dive down a little deeper into a couple of your stops because um, you played in the All-American Hockey League, which only lasted for three or four seasons. And I saw you, you play for the Troy Sabres. And when I see Troy, I think Troy, New York. This is actually Troy, Ohio. Um, what was it like playing in the, in that league? Because I guess there was only maybe five teams or so. And, and you know, was it one of those leagues? Because there were a lot of <laughs> – Back in those days, I mean, there were leagues scattered all over, and some of them, your paychecks were, you know, a maybe uh, rather than a definite. So, what was what? What are your memories of, of that stop? Uh, certainly, all positive, um, because again, I was able to make some money playing hockey. I wasn't making much money when I was playing in Troy, Ohio. Um, what they did was, you got paid by the game. Uh, they found you a job, wow. and they gave you a place to stay. Um, the job that I was given was, uh, was building houses, uh, which after two days on the job, I said, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did not enjoy it at all. Uh, so I was kind of surviving on the money I was making um, playing game those game. games. Yep. Yeah. Um, halfway through that season, there was a coaching change in Carolina with Carolina Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gentleman who I had met um, – in training camp, who actually brought me to his training camp with the Virginia Lancers. Uh, I don't know if you know this name, but John Tortorella. Sure. Uh, he he actually um, has been extremely good to me all these years. And going back to then. Another he, Massachusetts guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he was the guy who called uh, the new coach, uh, Pierre Frenchy Hamel, former goalie in Carolina. And <clears throat> he suggested myself to him, thought I could help his team. Um, and uh, I got that opportunity and, and fortunately stuck for the rest of the year in Carolina. Uh, we actually got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. I was able to go back to Troy, Ohio, because the playoffs were just starting there, and uh, we actually won it in the All-American League that year. So, uh, wow. again, positive, uh, positive experience. Are you sure. still in touch with any of those guys? Because, you know, once a champion, you, you all walk together, that, that sort of thing. Uh, Not so much the guys from the Troy yeah. team, um, but I, I was fortunate enough to win back-to-back in uh, the East Coast yeah. League, and I still do keep in touch with uh, some of those guys. Um, and, again, great memories, great experiences. Uh, and, and the one guy who I mentioned, uh, John Tortorella, um, he, he's been unbelievable all through these years for me, for my career. Um, just a good guy. He's great, a really good guy. Great sounding board. Yeah, he is. He is. It's a bad opinion, rap, but he's a really good human. He's one of the best humans in this yep. business. Yep. Um, and, and you mentioned, as I had this on my list of things to ask you about those back-to-back uh, Kelly Cups, because it looks like you were in on the ground floor of the ECHL. And like we talked about, there's like a lot of leagues that, that only lasted for a few years and they had all kinds of problems. And, you know, the ECHL, it looks like it, it maybe kind of morphed out of the Atlantic Coast Hockey League, and, and or at least the Carolina Thunderbirds did. They went from one to the other. Um, but what, what's it like now to, to 30 years later look back on that? And the ECHL's you know, thriving and, and has had a, a great run and has produced a lot of, you know, helped produce a lot of NHL players and I mean you were right there on the ground floor of that winning Kelly Cups with two different two different uh, teams yeah I absolutely love it uh, I, I love the league um, I loved playing in the league I love coaching in the league um, sometimes those the, the league like that gets a bad rap 
Um, and I don't think some people have uh, or give it the amount of respect that it deserves. Um, you look across, and, and, and for so many years now, um, almost every Stanley Cup champion has yeah. at least a player, uh, if not a couple, some even a handful of guys that have spent some time in the ECHL. Yeah. Uh, it certainly has a strong purpose in this business, and, and I truly believe, and that's one thing I love about this organization, um, the Washington Capitals, going back to even when I was playing and early coaching, has used the ECHL better than any other team. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, they've they've. I mean, Braden Holpe, a lot, a lot. Of, like you said, that 2018 team, you could point to a handful of guys there who, who you know, got their start there, played at least, spent some time there, um, and, the, and the relationship with South Carolina has been pretty continuous too you know there's obviously you know as as you know probably better than anyone the the affiliates change uh you know almost almost like clothing sometimes but um the caps have had knock on wood a real good uh relationship with both hershey and south carolina uh over the years um any coaches that that had that that influence on you that like when you're talking to guys you're you're instructing them. You're you're coaching them up. Do you hear echoes in your head of of guys that that had an impact or influence on you when you were playing, or even you know when you were maybe serving as an assistant under them? Any coaches that stand out in that regard for you? You know, being that it goes so far back with me um, in wanting to coach, uh, and 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 actually from the time I was 19. Uh, for the next straight 13 summers, uh, I worked hockey camps. So learn how to teach, truly mm. teach, because um, you're working with everything from six-year-olds up through high school yeah. and slash junior players. Um, and it, it's, it's different, right, to hold somebody's attention and the challenge to teach. Uh, the other th- big thing with myself, Mike, is um, I, I pride myself on trying to be a lifelong learner. So I expand my horizons. Um, I'll go watch a Little League practice. I'll go watch a basketball team, college basketball, mm-hmm. pro um, you know, I was fortunate to coach for three years down in San Antonio. San Antonio Spurs, in my opinion, uh, one of the top franchises in all the sports in the last 20 yeah, years. Their winning percentage is ridiculous. Coach Pop down there does a tremendous job. Another good human. Um, absolutely. Um, so I just try to continue to learn uh, from everybody in different aspects. And, you know, I, I can even draw memories back from, you know, when I was playing myself when I when I was uh, just a kid and just the way you treated, you handled. Um, now, I will say this, <clears throat> you know, c- coaching has changed in regards to uh, it's a different athlete that's being brought up in today's society. No question. And back uh, when I was playing, you just, you did things because the coach said do things well it's not that easy anymore you know the players want to well why are we doing this how can we you know um and 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 actually that has played into my advantage because i try to prepare as as well as anybody um i do a ton of um work behind the scenes uh whether it's extra video and and just preparing in different aspects Uh, i not only try to prepare i over prepare in in most situations but i i truly think that because of the evolution of the athlete, it's it's helped me stay in uh, as long as I've stayed in because a lot of guys that I coached against early on, um, you know, and they were very good coaches, don't get me wrong, but they didn't, uh, they didn't 
continue to grow as the as the game and the athletes continue to change and grow and I, I think that's probably the key so it'd be tough for me to sit here and pinpoint just a couple of people because there have been so many people yeah. that have been influential uh, both positive and as you always do you learn how you don't want to do things also from mm-hmm. the bad experiences too right those are important yeah. you, you, you got to keep those in your mind too because you don't want to repeat those you know what it's like to be caught in those situations those scenarios so I try to learn from everybody and anybody and the good, the bad, different sports. Um, I think it's important. I think that's a healthy outlook and attitude to have regardless. And it's important. I mean, you got to kind of evolve with the times and, and, you know, technology and whatever is available to you. So, yeah, absolutely. That makes a, that makes a ton of sense. And you, you did get started in your coaching career in, I guess, it was 96, 97 in Johnstown, which, you know, has this, this – sort of fabled hockey history just from its attachment to Slapshot, you know, the, the, the most iconic hockey film uh, ever. And you, you were there for a, a good long time. I, I was fortunate enough to spend a week in South Carolina um, following back. This is 16 years ago when Jason Fitzsimmons was the head coach and Jared Bednar was the assistant there. And those guys are so good to me. They let me in, uh, sit in in our meetings. It was right at the trade deadline. It was so illuminating to see how different things are at the ECHL level versus the AHL level. You're actually, the, it's the coach who's making the trades. It's the coach who's trying to find guys who are on their spring breaks who might want to leave the beach and come play a few games in the ECHL and just forego that senior year or whatever. These guys are making those kind of phone calls. They were calling bird dogs in New England, asking them, you know, do you know of any guys who might want to, you know, step in for us here for the, the last couple of weeks? Um, and I would ask to talk to a player after a game, and they would say, well, we're going to give you this guy first because he's got to go to work uh, as a security guy at Target <laughs> at midnight, so his time is short. So, I mean, it was a real eye-opener, and I got probably four or five really great feature stories out of it. It was it was incredible. And just the fact, too, that married guys, they're, they're kind of looked down upon because you – you know, you're paying for the housing, as you alluded to a little earlier at that level. And so, I mean, that's a that's a bigger apartment. So they always wanted to know if a guy was married, if they were, you know, talking about uh, making a trade for him. So I don't know how much that league has evolved from, I mean, the time that you started in it as a player versus, you know, your, your later experience. But clearly that, that was a real uh, ground ground floor type of thing for you as well to get you to the next levels. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you know what? The ECHL is no different than the National Hockey League in regards to each team has different ownership. Yep. Each team is a separate entity. It's a different business. Some businesses are run extremely well. Some uh, run, I should say, probably differently than others, you know, and how they do things. Yeah. And it's no different in the, in the National Hockey League. Um, one extremely cool experience uh, for not so much for myself, probably, but for all the players I'd playing for me in the one year, the National Hockey League actually came to us because at the time, you know, NFL, NFL film has done an incredible job Absolutely. going back to like the 50s, 60s. Yeah. So the other sp- sports finally started catching on and say, you know, we got to be better. We have to give more access. Because back then, the NHL was not allowing access to the locker room. 
because apparently there was my secrets in there and mm-hmm. the bench and the, the bus. And that, at the time, they weren't flying charter. They were flying commercial. But just all those aspects, it was very, you know, to themselves mm-hmm. where the NFL had guys on the sidelines and in the huddle. Every overhead, game like, all every around game. the country. Yep. Like incredible. So the NHL knew they had to do something. They came to us. They wanted us to be a test team for a year. Uh, they did a show called Chasing the Dream. Yeah, I remember that. It aired. Um, they came in once a month. They spent time with us just like you did down in South Carolina, and that's what made me think of it. Um, they had full access. They had locker room access. Yeah. They had meetings, individual meetings, team meetings, uh, team, de- you know, everything on the bus. Yeah, same. Um, everything, uh, and, and I see how that's expanded. So now, you know, they have the 24-7 show, and it leads up to the Winter Classic, yeah. right? And they do the uh, the videos after the Stanley Cup. They follow those teams through the playoffs, and, um, and it all started through a test run in Johnstown. We became the first team to do it. The following year, they used the American League team. They used uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Mm-hmm. And then finally they had this these things that they could show the NHL teams. And at that point, the NHL teams had, you know, they, they had to give in, right? They had to let in. They said, hey, listen, you, you, this, there's no secrets here. Guys work now. Guys study a lot of video. Everybody knows what teams are doing just in regards yep. to systems and stuff like that. Um, but to give the fans the behind-the-scenes look at all that stuff, was an important aspect, and fans absolutely love that stuff. I, I love watching it with uh, not only hockey but other teams as well. And you, um, your first uh, taste of head coaching in the AHL was a couple of interim jobs, and in, in uh, San Antonio was was the first one. Um, so this this appointment in in Hershey is your first actual head coaching job at that level, but. Uh, you know, as we've alluded to earlier, uh, just years and years of experience as an assistant at both the AHL and uh, NHL levels and, and tons of head coaching experience in the ECHL as well. Um, and looking along the line, like I remember the 0405 season, the lockout season in the NHL, um, the AHL was a really good league. And you were in Lowell then. And Caps were still in Portland then. So I, I spent a lot of that year Run, riding the buses in Portland, and obviously uh, Lowell was kind of loaded. That you, you guys had a split affiliation between Carolina and Calgary, if I remember right. And like Eric Stahl, Chuck Kobus, you Cam Ward were there. Um, and uh, I think was was Tom Rowe the mm-hmm. Tom Rowe. So like the thing about Tom Rowe, another Mass guy, I think Lynn Lynn and a, Massachusetts, and another Washington Capital. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to bring up. He's a lot of people don't know this, but. Tom Rowe back, I think it was 78, 79. He was the first, and no one can ever take this away from him. He's the first American-born player ever to score 30 goals in the NHL, and he did it right here in Washington. Um, and you've worked for, uh, for you know, under him at various stops along the way. Um, and, you know, another guy that I've been able to talk to a, a few times over the years and, you know, had enjoyable conversations with but man that that old 405 ahl was was some good hockey i thought it was unreal and and you know what i don't think the american hockey league will ever be as good as it was when it when it played that year uh, at least i hope it isn't because if it is it'll be because the nhl isn't playing yeah and that was the biggest thing when the nhl the nhl wasn't playing so guys knew there was no place from the go as far as being called up so they settled into that because one of the things you deal with in the American Hockey League is 
not necessarily the call-ups, but how it affects throughout, yeah, right? Because there's always somebody that thinks they're the most deserving guy. And, you know, not that they want to be selfish and not good teammates, but, you know, why is Mike going up and, and I'm still sitting here? One of those type yeah. of things. Uh, we didn't have to deal with any of that. And then when the NHL decided that, you know, they shut it down for the hits, it was it was full-on game on. Here we go. Call the Cup is the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. And it was a full buy-in. And even though it was a dual affiliation, that team had a brotherhood. Uh, a lot of those guys, you know, like you said, half were Carolina property, half was Calgary. Yeah. A lot of those guys are still, you know, great friends to this day. Um, we we had a good run. Uh, unfortunately, ran into a hot Providence team um, in the in the second round. And but another piece of pride from that particular year that led into the next year. The Carolina Hurricane won the Stanley Cup. That's right. Uh, and the coach, you might know him also, yeah, was a guy right. named Pete Laviolette, yep. and one of his assistants was Cato with that team yeah. too. And Con Smythe, uh, you know. Cam Ward. Absolutely. So um, very exciting. Uh, and, again, a proud moment for myself as a coach to see, you know, some of those guys that we had that year before skating around in June with the Stanley Cup. And then your, your first taste of the NHL was 0910 with uh, as an assistant with Scott Gordon, uh, on the island, and I mean that's the ground floor of John Tavares's uh, career. First, first overall pick, um, his rookie season. You're there for for three years. What was that like to finally reach that? I mean, everybody who who rides the buses and stays and, and you know sleeps on the buses and stays in the small hotels and you know all the rink life. Everybody aspires, whether you're a broadcaster or a coach or you know an equipment guy. Everybody aspires to get to the NHL. And I guess what, that's 20-some years of plugging away as a player and a coach before you get there. How proud were you to get there, and what were those years like for yeah, you? Yeah, it was a great moment, uh, not only for myself, but for my family, my friends, um, for them to experience that, to go through that. Um, you know, the NHL, it's, it's amazing. It's the best league in the world. It's the best players in the world. Um, it's a, you know, it's a different, little bit different lifestyle uh, from the, in how you travel uh, on the charters, mm-hmm. the hotels you stay at, and uh, when they when they joke about it being in the Never Hungry League because um, there is food yeah. around. It's just the different the things that you you start to take for granted a little bit. I I still don't to this day. I I never do yeah. it. I appreciate all of it, and certainly being here in training camp this year. Um, is, is, you know, exciting times, uh, but it was exciting for sure. Uh, the only thing that was tough for me, uh, it doesn't matter what league I'm in, uh, was the losing um, because yeah. we were in a rebuild, right? Yeah. We had a very young team. You mentioned Johnny Tavares, and that was his first three years in the league, and then we had other players like, you know, Josh Bailey, jo- uh, Kyle Ogposo, Franz Nielsen. We had a very solid young base, um, but unfortunately – it didn't stay together, and as time went on, you know, pieces went here and there. Uh, it was also difficult. You know, Rick Rick DiPietro had gotten hurt yeah. in the All-Star game a couple of years prior, and uh, you know what? He was never the same. Right. He was never the same. Uh, a guy who battles as hard as he battled as a goalie, when you start running into hip and knee problems like he had, um, lateral movement was tough, and it was tough to watch him go through it because he he was such a hard-working person and prided himself on his game. So it was a lot of obstacles that we were dealing with. And, again, at the end of the night, when you're playing just good enough to lose, it, there's, 
you know, if, if you're in a rebuild and there's light at the end of the tunnel and you're around long enough to enjoy it, that's one thing. But as the, uh, just like I said before, different teams run differently. And if you just start chasing, if you don't really have a, a plan that you stick to um, and it doesn't work, it, it becomes a tough situation to be in. And yeah, I'd forgotten about DiPietro, but uh, I, I got to know him a little bit in uh, 2004 when he was at the uh, U.S. World Cup camp in um, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, yeah, it was a shame to see his uh, all that 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 talent uh, just not come to fruition through no fault uh, no fault of his own for sure. Um, one of your other stops in the NHL was in in Florida, and you had Yarmer Yager. Uh, there and he was, I think, forty-four at the time. And you know, we had we had Yager here, and it didn't. He was still a really good player. He just wasn't the player he was in Pittsburgh. And I think the fans around here are still sour on him a little bit. Um, but talking to him about it, uh, I, I, I'm impressed as hell by what that guy has done with with his career and how he kind of remade himself and what a gym rat he became. The the legend of him going in and having a key to, to the, the workout room and just going in at night or whenever he felt like it. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's like, it's almost like it was like having Chara here last year, those guys who were just kind of freaks of nature. Um, and I, I you know, I remember a couple of guys over the years who've told me, well, you, you ask them what keeps you going at that age. And you, I remember one guy who, who never, never, never made it to the NHL, um, said, look, I know, and he was in the ECHL at the time, he he said, I know that this is the best job I'm ever going to have, so I'm going to keep it as long as I can. I've never forgotten that, and I think there are guys at the at this level that have that mentality too, and it just seemed like Yager was one of them. There's no doubt about it, and it's, it's, it's interesting because after being with him that season and after watching him uh, day in, day out, <clears throat> my only concern is, I truly don't know what he is going to do when he is done uh, because his whole life revolves around the game and, and how he goes about his business. The amount of time that he spends at both the practice rink, the game rink, uh, and you said it, uh, it's not only you know from the morning through the afternoon, it's, it's coming back in at night, and uh, he'll even jump back on the ice mm-hmm. at night. And, and back then... Um, you know, he was dra- dragging Bakoff in there with him, who was an unreal player now in this Yeah, league. he sure is. You know, he had uh, Jonathan Ubido was also playing yep. on that line, and he was so good for those young guys at that time where they were at in their career, and it really helped those guys take off. Um, but, uh, again, I'll go back, and, and I just I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to – he's going to have to find a hobby <laughs> to keep his mind and his body busy because it's all about um you know taking care of himself for that next game he's still playing he's still playing yeah. in the czech republic yeah. he's part owner of a team i know he's not playing a full season uh but i can guarantee you he's, he's working out to prepare for whenever he does jump into the lineup and and plays um but um as far as the you know nhl players go um He's for sure one of the best that's ever played the game. And I know there's some, like you said, some sourness in this general area uh, with the Caps fans. But um, yeah, I think it's misplaced personally. You know, I, I, every every guy has things that it, it's not just what you see on the ice. Guys go through stuff away from the rink too, and you got to be, 
you got to be kind of mindful of that. And you, I don't think you should ever crush anybody over um, performance because you just don't know what anybody's going through at any given time. But there's a lot of similarities. You know, the more I think about it with Z, it's the, kind of the same thing. And I think he had a huge impact on a guy like Marty Faravari, who, you know, when he found out that maybe he was like a kid at Christmas when he found out that Char was coming here for that one year. Um, and, and so you're, you're at Hershey uh, last year as, as an assistant um, with Spencer Carberry and Caps obviously had Connor McMichael there last year. And, uh, you know, a, a really fortunate thing for him just to be able to play in that league at that age. And it was only because of the pandemic and the fact that he couldn't play in the OHL because the OHL wasn't playing. And I mean, you you just never know what how that's going to work out with a kid of that age. But it it sure seemed like, obviously the numbers are what they are. But talking to people down there, it seemed like as the year wore on, he kind of became a guy who wanted the puck when it mattered most. And and, and I just wonder what you saw uh, in his evolution from from game one to game thirty six last year. And obviously nobody can project where where he goes from here but it, you got to like the fact that you know he he spent some time with Gary Roberts uh, over the summer who you know I would put in that category with with Yager and Brooks Orpic and Zidane Char as far as guys who really milked everything they could out of their careers and he did it by embracing fitness and nutrition and and things that would prolong their career right and and that's one of the biggest things for these young players to learn is how much value that has in their career um because that's something that you can completely control yep. right you can control your fitness level and your strength level and what you put in your body and the rest that you get um all those things um you know mike's came in and it's crazy because we we had 100 days that's what we had 100 days last year in american league he came in as a boy and he left not as a man, but as a young man, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so the, the evolution process has started. Uh, it was certainly a positive for him. Um, and certainly no disrespect to the Ontario Hockey League because I've got nothing but respect also for Major Junior Hockey. It's yeah. a great league. But for certain players who reach a certain level at a certain time, uh, the rules don't necessarily help those guys. Sometimes it hurts them for keeping them there for an extra year. Absolutely. Um, so it worked out to his advantage to be with us last year for those 100 days and, and just continue to grow and, and, and learn um, from one key guy for him was our captain, Matt Molson. Uh, who's been around for a long yeah. time and really cares about uh, all his teammates, but certainly the young guys, and and that they get off on the right foot and and headed in the right direction. And so, uh, you know, as time went on, um, just the little things. Um, he was he's a very very respectful um, young man. Um, wants to learn. Wants to get better. Certainly wants to have a long career in the National Hockey League. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed working with him. I, I guess the best way to uh, uh, finalize, like, where he was at when he left, um, I, I go to preseason game number one against Boston the other night, and, and it gets to uh, overtime, three-on-three. Three. Yeah. And he winds up through the neutral zone, comes down with speed, takes a good shot, doesn't score. I grabbed him the next day when we were skating around in, in, in practice. I said, you know the difference I said a few months ago, at the end of the season in Hershey, that puck goes in for you, and that's where he was at at the end of the season. Like we, in, in a situation like that, in overtime, he gets the puck, flies through the neutral zone. We knew 
it was lights out. He was ending the game. And as I was watching that game and saw him come through, and I, I was – I, I was actually talking out loud. I wasn't even talking to myself. <laughs> I said, yep. come on, it's Mike, over. finish this, finish yeah. this. It's over. And like I said, unfortunately, it didn't go for him. Um, but it, it's another it's another few rungs on the ladder for him to climb, to, to stay, to first make it to the NHL as a full-time player and then stay in the NHL and then hopefully continue to evolve into being, you know, a top six guy, guys who are relied upon, a guy who can be a game changer. Um because there's, you know, obviously a lot of players that play in this league, and they're great players, but not every single one of them is a game changer. Sure. And he has the ability to be that. How important is it, the, the continuity that, that you guys are going to have there um, with, with you and, and Patrick Weller and, and Westy and basically the, the same staff uh, other than, than Spencer, obviously, uh, coming back this year in Hershey? I think it's huge. Um, uh, I love our staff. Uh, we have a great staff. Um, we brought in Steve Bergen, who yeah. used to coach in South, South Carolina, Carolina right. and added him as an assistant. Um, you know, it's a hardworking group. Uh, Emily came in last year, mm-hmm. did a tremendous job for us uh, with video. Um, everybody gets along, which is very important because you, you said it before, you know, you're riding the buses, you're together, uh, long days, long nights, early mornings. Um, I, I think it's difficult, and, and there are coaching staffs throughout in this game, even the National Hockey League, who aren't uh, cohesive. Um, but I think it, it's it important to, to be that way and everybody uh, pulling the rope in the same direction, and, and that's what we have there. So um, a ton of confidence in, in everybody, and uh, in, in Mike Wagner, our strength coach, just everybody throughout. Um, they do a tremendous job. And obviously you guys had a good season last year, but – how, how do you how do you evaluate? I mean, it was thirty six games and it was three different opponents, and obviously the caliber of those th- three opponents. There's there's going to be some variance. Um, I guess how do you get a read on on how good your guys are and how good your team is as a group when y- you don't have that the ability to to play a bunch of different opponents of varying types of because I you know if Binghamton wasn't that good I, I think Lehigh Lehigh was a was a good team I'm not sure about Wilkes uh, too much last year but definitely some variance between those three yeah and I look at it this way we were very fortunate to work for those 100 game no days, doubt no doubt days we were able to play the games that we did we only played three opponents um, so to me it wasn't truly a season um, but it but we needed that. We needed that for our young players to uh, keep the the improvement process moving along. Um, so as proud as we all were, we had the best record in the American Hockey League and, and all that stuff. That's that's in the past. That's behind us. Um, it's, it's funny because even as the season went on and, uh, you know, Different people talk about where we stood in, in, in the league in regards to, uh, you know, special teams, our power mm-hmm. play penalty kill. Well, me personally, I, I, I chuckled because it, it, it didn't matter. All it mattered was where we stood against the three other teams. Yeah. You know, um, and, and even, quite frankly, during the regular season in the American Hockey League, we don't play anybody in the Western Conference. Right. So all I care about is how we're playing. I, I think we play Lehigh Valley 14 times this year. You know, we're playing a regular 76-game schedule and season this year, but 
again, we're going to play this one team 14 times. So to me, that's important, right? Um, a couple of teams we only play twice when a home and home. The other teams in our division um, mostly play them like six times. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to try to break it down that way in regards to what we're doing head-to-head. Um, and, and I don't even really keep track of the Western Conference because there's no need right. to. Uh, all I hope is that we're playing one team from the right. Western Conference and that series starts in June. That's what we're striving to do uh, as a team. But otherwise, um, it, it's getting back to uh, – now we go back to we play three and three days right yeah um and which players no longer have to do when they get to the nhl and then that's a challenge that's part of a player's growth i think um how do you battle through it both physically mentally emotionally can you get up for that sunday game at five after mm-hmm. you've just started on friday night in springfield and maybe had, had a rise. bus ride back, absolutely yeah. ride the bus back um so all those things that go involved and and you know a player's um his his early career which should help them because when you get to the NHL, again, you don't have to deal with that. You're on a charter plane after a game. You stay in the Ritz. You, you've got yeah. great access to food, to the rehydration products. Um, so, you know, therein lies the challenge, and that's part of us and part of our job as coaches and, and teaching guys in the American Hockey League uh, what it takes to be a pro and what it takes to be the best that you can be on a consistent basis. And you alluded to those um – you know, playing that Western Conference team at the very end. Uh, 15, 16 years now that the, the Cavs and Hershey have been affiliated, there's there's three Calder Cups in there, and there's two Calder Cup finals in there. So five times they were able to achieve that, and I covered every one of those those series and a couple of those runs because on a couple of those runs the Cavs weren't in the playoffs, and they just sent me to, to follow Hershey around. Um, and – Absolutely. You look at the guys who came up here that, that were part of those teams. Winning plays such a part in, in your development, if you're able to do it at whatever level. And now these last two years, no playoffs in the, in the American League. Um, and, and, and that's not because Hershey wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. It's because there weren't any playoffs. So now we've got guys like Cody Clark and Riley Sutter who've played a couple of years pro, and now they're in their the last year of their entry-level deal. And they've they've only got maybe 50, 60 games and, and none of them in the playoffs. So I think maybe more crucial this year to get a little bit of a postseason run in uh, than ever before. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, we all like to speculate. We all like to think, oh, if only we would have had the playoffs, we would have won the call the cup. Well, you know what, that's just, that's wishful thinking is what it is because it's a lot of work after that. Uh, I've been very fortunate to, to be on teams, um, coaching teams in the American League uh, that we've won a division regular season, won a conference in the, in the regular season, um, but I've yet to win uh, a call the cup. Um, it's a whole different situation. As we all know, he gets the playoffs. I mean, you know, who would have thought that the Montreal Canadiens were yeah. playing in the Stanley Cup final this year. I don't think there's too many nope. people because um, I know I, I go back. What I like to do in the beginning of the year is is when the articles come out uh, and, and everybody's taking their best guess at how they see it shaking <laughs> out, um, I, I keep that stuff. I, I put it in a, a folder, and I go back and look at it, and I can promise you there was nobody that had the Montreal Canadiens no playing in the in the final. So um, it, it was there is a whole lot of work to be done, first and foremost. That's what we're striving to do is to, to win a call the Cup. Um, but we, more importantly, I just want guys to win the day. I just want them to 
uh, battle and compete and, and get better, whether it's a practice, whether it's a game, um, good, bad, or indifferent, and then we move by it. We, we're, we're strictly going to be about living in the present, and all our preparation is going to be geared towards the playoffs. But if we're checking all the boxes, if we're doing things the right way, uh, hopefully we give ourselves a chance, and then with that, anything can happen. And the last thing before we let you go, Hershey is a, a storied franchise in that league. I, the, for me, the closest comparison is like the Green Bay Packers, where it's a small town that everybody just latches onto it under normal circumstances. They, a town that size in the modern world of pro sports would, would never have a team at that, that high of a level. But the fact that they're still there is because they were installed there decades and decades ago. Green Bay, same thing. Um, so it's got to be – I think it's, it's a real plum job to have. And, I mean, the, the facilities, everything is, is first rate there. It's got to be a real feather in your cap to finally have – it's your team um, – you're going to be running camp for the first time at, at that level. Um, you got to be just inc- incredibly proud, but also pretty excited for, for what's ahead of you here. Yeah, and you know what, Mike? When they when they first approached me uh, about the job, um, I, I actually told them I wasn't sure. I wasn't mm. sure what I wanted to do just yet, and they they were kind of surprised uh, and, and taken aback and, and wanted to know why, and I said, well, you know, I haven't thought about, being uh, a head coach, the last time I was actually a head coach was uh, five years earlier in, in the last game I coached was against Hershey. I was coaching Pro- uh, Portland, right. and, and that was the first round series. Um, and when I get a job, I just stay focused and dialed in on the job that I have. So I just wanted some time to think about it and take a step back. And like you just talked about, when I thought about, you know, the job, it's the Hershey Bears. They've had a pro team since 1938. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of people that have come through that organization, players, coaches, trainers, radio guys, you, you name it throughout. Um, it's, it's, it, is, uh, it was almost overwhelming at first to think about that. Um, but then it became, you know, it became one of those things that no regrets, right? If I don't take this job, I'll probably live with regret. And that's not the way I've lived my first 55 years on this earth. So, um, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I'm, I'm I'm a one day at a time type of guy, but certainly I'm very proud and excited about, uh, being the Hershey Bears head coach. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. We totally appreciate it. And uh, it was great uh, getting to know you and spending some time and uh, you know, hearing some stories. Thank you very much for having me.